Hello, this is Angie coming to you from post-production. I'm here to warn you that this episode does have spoilers for Avengers Infinity War. If you haven't seen that movie yet, I advise that you click out of this podcast unless you want a lot of spoilers from the very beginning. So I'll give you a chance to click out now and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Uh, I saw, I've seen one with a bubble gun. Which is really funny. Oh, yeah. Because that's, like, not even a part. Yeah, it's no not one... an important thing. Uh-huh. But it, it definitely is. Um, also, there was one uncool spoiler I read today, which I was like, I've seen it, but you're a dick. Um, was someone just put down in their Twitter bio, just, Mr. Stark. I don't want to go or something like that. And uh, I was like, that's a dick move. Yeah, that's a pretty big spoiler right There's there. There's only one character who would say that. Yeah. And so you know. And it's Green Lantern. That's the wrong universe. Sorry, right? sorry, Batman. Yeah, that yeah. sounds more right. Yeah. Could you imagine Batman having a conversation with Tony Stark? <laughs> what are you doing? What's that glowing thing? Right on your chest. I'm not going to want to hear that back later, but it's fine. There was actually the line, swear to me, in Infinity War. You can watch it yourself and find it. I don't remember who said it, but they said it, and I went, swear to me! <laughs> so. <laughs> I love the spikes in the audio as we're doing the Batman Yeah, oh my god, your laugh is just like six lines. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> I pride myself on the lines my laugh reads. <laughs> um... But actual bulk of Infinity War, what was your first primary reaction to it? My first primary reaction, I'm well, I, until I had to start thinking critically about it for this podcast, I was still, I still reeling that. from it. Like, Ugh. it was just reacting to the story. Like, I think that's a mark of a good movie, honestly, is like, I could not focus on the, the, the composition, the, the filmmaking elements, okay. the, the, the technical portions of the movie, because I was so enthralled with the story, like. I couldn't, I couldn't get myself out of what's going to happen next, like, who's going to die, who's going to live, like, because, mm. I mean, the movie opens with them killing Loki, and Loki's not coming back. I, I've talked uh, to a ton of people who are like... No, he's definitely not coming back. Yeah, but Loki is for sure dead. The people who died died, and people who watched will know this, the people who died and didn't disintegrate are definitely dead. Yeah. I don't think there's a universe in which they are alive. Like, shit gets weird and complicated after Thanos gets the reality stone, but... Like before that, if you're if you died, you're pretty you're much dead. dead. They're yeah. very dead. Yeah. Uh, I think I would actually be disappointed to see Loki come back. I think a lot of people would be really really happy, but yeah, no, it reminds I me don't... a lot of like the Glenn death in Walking Dead, which I know you don't know about, but like yeah. it's one of those beloved characters that everyone was like, oh, they deserved a better death, and it's like, yeah, but sometimes people die. That's just mm-hmm. kind of what people happens. Have you actually tangent? Have you seen Dead Like Me? The TV show. So it's a TV show about this girl who dies. Um, I won't tell you how because that is a really fun part of the show. Great. Watch it. Um, And she becomes a Grim Reaper uh, under the command of uh, the head Grim Reaper played by Mandy Patinkin, who I hear is an asshole, but I love him as an actor. Mm -hmm. Um, And every episode she gets a sticky note with a time a name and a place um and oh i think they call it like etd estimated time of departure or estimated time of death or something mm-hmm. and she has to go to that time go to that place find the person at the time and then take their soul right before or right after they die preferably right before but yeah so it's just a every episode has the all these weird deaths mm-hmm. um but sometimes people just like die in their sleep like she just goes to someone's house and just like takes their soul yeah mm. same thing with like six feet under like Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's a really important aspect of some cinema productions or film productions mm-hmm. is writers need to sometimes remember where they're trying to center their reality. Because obviously yeah. the Marvel universe is not the universe we live in. We, yeah. don't, we don't have Tony Stark's or Iron Man or Captain America. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Uh, the Captain America one might be a little hard, but... We don't have those people in our world. So, obviously, as audience members, we have to forgive them for some things. We have to forgive and accept that superheroes exist, and that's a part of that reality. Mm -hmm. But it's also a part... It's also partly accepting that these crazy, fantastic things can happen, 
but it has to be grounded enough in our own reality that we can still relate to it. And a lot of film producers and a lot of writers for film often give these heroic, memorable deaths to people we care about as audience members, which is what people want, that justice that the audience wants. Mm-hmm. But at what point is it, this character would not realistically live. Yeah. And this character and would Loki, not realistically get that grateful death. Yeah, like, Loki up against Thanos, someone he's double-crossed, what, like four times at that point? Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely, he's for sure dead. Get... I knew he was going to die the second he, like... The dagger thing. Yeah, the dagger. Like, he pulled dude, up the dagger. I was like, you're really, like... Once he started blowing smoke up his ass yeah. about, like, oh, I swear loyalty like, to Thanos. Like, even Thanos knew not. he was about to try and make a death kill attempt. Like, And knowing Thanos, of course Thanos isn't going to give him an honorable death. Yeah. And if it... strangle him, like... Exactly. If it was some heroic death... I'm going to tie guess... you to this chair and have a laser slowly approach your side exactly. while I explain my evil plan. No, you're that, just, just going to strangle you until mm-hmm. you're dead, yeah. And I think that was that was an important thing mm-hmm. to see at the beginning of this movie, which I think set this movie apart from the other Marvel Absolutely. movies. It was also, it was kind of a, a like, hey guys, no one's safe. Like, yeah, we're cutting the shit out. Mm-hmm. This is not... The plot is Thanos wants to kill half the universe, and he might do it. Yeah. Which he does. And he does. He does it. He does it. Uh, so, well, <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll keep talking about that. There's a whole bunch of theories with that. But for me, I... I was an OG Avengers fan. So I was the kid who went to all of the movies with their parents. I went to all of oh, same. the yeah. original Captain America movies, mm-hmm. all of the original Iron Man movies, mm-hmm. all of the the core Avengers were, they were my shit. They were like the people yeah. that I liked and I loved to see. Honestly, I think the only one I didn't see in theaters was uh, Thor 2, which I hear was really bad. Which one is Thor 2? The is Dark the World. They Dark introduce World? the Reality Stone, but they introduce it as the Aether. I was going to say, I don't even remember that one. Yeah, I it wasn't good. All of the Iron Man movies I watched on purpose because he was the original. He was the man who brought Marvel superheroes into our lives. Mm -hmm. And so I remember all of Iron Man. And Iron Man is still probably one of my favorite superheroes for sentimental reasons. And Mm -hmm. I know there's a whole fandom for the Captain America (laughs) fans in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. They're army marching. But I don't know. I think... Iron Man has always had a place in my heart as my first superhero that I really saw. I think the reason why is I saw my dad in him. I could see people in my life that I loved in Tony Stark. He was Mm -hmm. human. And I really liked that. So seeing Tony Stark have such an impact in this movie was really cool for me. Yeah. And I, I've said it before, I was never a Spider-Man fan. It was He was always one of my least favorite heroes. That's fine. We don't have to be friends anymore. Until I watched Homecoming. And okay. Homecoming has changed my life when it comes to Spider-Man in my life. Hmm. So I really appreciated it. But knowing that, that's pretty much the extent of my Marvel fanhood. Uh, I, as you know, I didn't get to see a whole bunch of the other previous movies. I didn't see Doctor Strange. I didn't see Thor Ragnarok. And I didn't see Kill Me Later, uh, Winter Soldier. And I, I also, fully intend I on I paid, like, them. half attention to Winter Soldier. Like, okay, okay. I didn't really care, care about Bucky, but then everyone else seemed to. Oh, also uh, Civil War. I haven't seen that either. Oh, that was, that's important. Yeah, that one was important. And I fully intend, please don't come at me <laughs> anywhere else, but I fully intend to watch them. It's just... They weren't priorities. So watching this movie, I did get some of that distance of being able to look at some of the cinematography and other aspects of the film besides the story. Uh, And here's where we're probably going to fight is because I did get bored some places. Really? I did. When did you get bored? There was so much going on that the only storyline I enjoyed following was Thanos. Where if he wasn't on screen doing something, I pretty much didn't care. There was a couple times um, when Captain America brings Vision uh, along with the rest of the gang over to... uh, Captain America brings Vision to... To Wakanda. Wakanda. Um, Thank you. I don't know why I was thinking like Wakanda. I could not think. Anyways. To the Sinnoh region. To the place where... No. Uh, I really enjoyed watching the storyline with Vision and Scarlet Witch. Angie Talks, take two. Scarlet Witch. But it seemed few and far between. And I think, while I understand this was a war movie, of course there's going to be a lot of fighting. Mm -hmm. 
I was more interested in all of the tactical parts of this war than mm-hmm. I was the actual fighting. Mm-hmm. I really like, um, I really like how realistic the 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 war fighting seemed. Like they have, I, I feel like a, a common trope with the Marvel universe is we've got an or with any story that that has a giant battle on a cosmic scale is we've got an immovable object let's create an unstoppable force to beat it mm-hmm. like and that's not how um the russo brothers write they they're actually i think very very clever in the way that they they find solution or they have their characters find solutions to their problems like uh in the battle in wakanda when they see that all these weird beasts start running around the side of the circle and they realize they can't defend the back open the front like don't mm-hmm. like that was that was don't a perfect idea like bottleneck them into one spot like mm-hmm. open the door you don't have to be like oh let's just like blow up the city or some like we need to do some crazy thing no just like open that one tiny section of the gate so they stop trying to run around like that was clever shit and i also going off of that i think that the solution to getting into theories a little bit but the solution to thanos having an infinity gauntlet is not going to be like, oh, there's this more powerful object than the Infinity Gauntlet, and we're going to use that one to defeat Thanos. No, like, there's going to be some some sort of a twist that allows the characters to overcome that challenge without Deus Ex Machina-ing it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I can see exactly what you're talking about. That kind of... The war tactics is mm-hmm. was very well played, and the Russo brothers did a really great job directing all of that, too. Um... I think when it comes to the realism in the war scenes, though, you have to nitpick if you want to see it like that. Because, yeah, the tactics were there, but none of the main characters, even though they're heroes, mm-hmm. died in the war part of it. Like, there was no main character, or even secondary character from any of the individual spinoff movies, who was killed by being just overpowered just fighting, yeah yeah and that's something that wouldn't happen i'm not familiar with uh the man who's the right hand man in black panther uh the i think he's like the general i haven't also seen black oh, you panther haven't yet. seen it. oh the the oh, okay there's a couple of them there's the guy he was talking to at the very beginning uh, of the battle mm-hmm. who was like thank you for joining us mm-hmm. that guy he's that's just another like tribe not okay. really part of Wakanda. Yeah. Well, even that kind of character, I would expect someone like that. He, yeah, I definitely see that. Like, and even, I mean, Game of Thrones did this, like, or does it really well. Like, if you want to make a story where you want to tell your audience that no character is safe, then, yeah, I actually kind of agree with you that some of those major characters should have been dying left and right, like... In the actual battle. In the actual battle. Especially on Wakanda, when there was so many. They yeah. physically showed them being overpowered. There's a crap ton going but on. But the instant before any of those characters were killed, Thor came in and ex machina Yeah. Which was a really, really dope mm-hmm. scene. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, I loved seeing that. But one of them should have been in peril before that happened, mm-hmm. personally. And that's, that's, I think, where I lost it in a couple places, because that that wasn't the only time, I'm sure, but... They did, yeah. And Marvel, I think, I think does use that, that same battle trope of, of uh, on screen, you're always going to see your hero winning a little bit, the villain winning a little bit, the hero having one final push, and then the villain almost winning, and then something else comes mm-hmm. in, and the music swells and saves the day. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, I... that happened a lot. That I could, yeah. I started to predict that near the end of the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, now that I'm looking at it, I think most of my nitpicking and my details that I am not super happy with happen in the battle on Wakanda. Because Hmm. one of the other things that, here, we're going to pull this card again, um, looking from the eyes of a woman watching another superhero movie, there's there's that ritual, right? The post-movie ritual where all of the people in your party go to the bathrooms, respectively, after you're there. Right. Well, we went with, what was it? Two, two men in our group. It was you and our friend Javier. And, Javier yeah. and then the rest of our friends were girls. It was myself, my roommate Kayla, and uh, Brooke and Lauren. And we were in the bathroom, and the first thing we all started talking about was like, oh, that girl fight was badass when they all like ganged up. And then I was like, yeah, oh. but why did they have to be beating a female villain? Like, why couldn't the badass women yeah. heroes kill a man? I remember you I were talking about that, like, 
yeah. the girl fights always have to be girls Cat versus fights. girls. Yeah, yeah, they can't just be... And I'll take what I can get, but I hate saying that I have to mm-hmm. take what I can get. Yeah. So, and we can get back on that when we talk about the wonderful ending credit and what that ending credit means for us. Uh, yeah. You're there, but we can get to that linearly. <laughs> yeah. I'm super excited about that. Um, what else about this movie? Uh, what do I normally talk about when I talk about movies? <laughs> okay. In terms of protagonist versus antagonist. I thought it was very interesting how, like, which characters got the most screen time and which characters got the most, like, just battle time. Like, in terms of of scenes and character development, I think Thor got a lot of character development. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Iron Man got a lot of character development. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... We got to see a lot of Doctor Strange. Yeah, we did get to see a lot of Doctor Strange. Um, And it was... that's I really liked that because it was... um, he at the end of Doctor Strange, which I just rewatched last night, and I found a ton of new things. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, or they they put the time stone back on its pedestal, and they say, "Best not to carry that around your neck until you've mastered the arts." And then w- the first time you see Doctor Strange, he's already got it around his neck. So like the way they do passage of time with his character is like, uh, yeah, like he was really good at what he was doing at the end of. Doctor Strange, which, by the way, he could have spent an, a literal eternity fi- like talking to Dormammu in that. Mm-hmm. Like, he could be thousands of years old, for all we know. Okay. Just, like, reliving that moment millions of times. Yeah. And at this point in his life, like, he, he says, I'm a master of the mystic arts. And, yeah, he's probably better than anyone has ever been at it mm-hmm. in the history of the universe. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really interesting to see him like that and, and how they conveyed that part of his character. But what I really wanted to say mm-hmm. was that Thanos is the protagonist of yeah, this movie. absolutely. Which was awesome. It was the first time I... I've always said this, right? And I think it's been a universal thing. Most people, most superhero fans, the, the geeks of the world can agree. Marvel does great heroes. DC does wonderful villains. And they really have never gotten the other side of that down. Yeah. This was the first Marvel villain I've ever, I, ever thought was interesting. Uh-huh. I really care about Thanos. Oh, yeah. Like, I think Thanos is the most diverse character mm-hmm. we have seen from Marvel. It's not just, here's my shtick superhero that's mm-hmm. been developed for you to care about. It was, here's this person that you've literally seen change. Yeah. And you know, because of Mantis, like, having her head, her hands on his head and, like, reading his emotions like you know he's actually hurting like he actually didn't want to kill Gamora actually loved her actually like felt everything that he appeared to be feeling mm-hmm. and throughout the entire movie it, it it's built to have you not want him to destroy half the universe but by the time he has all six stones in that one moment he's earned it he's earned it he's like I would have been disappointed to have him get that far and then, like, get his hand cut off or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted to see him snap his fingers. I Absolutely. wanted him to succeed at that point. And that moment? Yeah. You knew it. You saw Thor, and you knew he was going to... I was scared for half of a second that Marvel was going to do their Marvel thing and have it be like, oh, they can't... Exactly what you mm-hmm. described. Mm-hmm. And then the instant I saw Thanos' eyes, and this is how I know the CGI and the, the acting, the voice acting for Thanos was so amazing was because I saw Thanos' eyes and I knew he was going to do it. <laughs> I was, it was gone. Any, any worry I had was gone. He was going to do it. Yeah. And I think that's so interesting. He was there. Exactly. And I think, I think also he had, he, he struggled a lot with whether or not he even wanted to. Like, there was. I, I think killing Gamora was the most we ever saw of that, but mm-hmm. I, I think at a certain point, like, killing half of the universe... Like, that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. Like, I, I think he definitely had uh, somewhere in his character some uh, bit of hesitation. And I think Thor stabbing him in the chest like that probably, like, pushed him to do it. Like, I have to do this right now. I can't have my moment. Because he did have a solid, like, five seconds after he got the last stone where he could have snapped immediately. But he didn't. He waited. And he he gave Thor time to hit him. And I think you should have gone that... I, I think, honestly, you should have gone for the head wasn't a line saying... It wasn't like a, a, a quip. It was a, like, I got this far, and I expected someone to kill me along the way, and you could have, 
you dumbass, this is your fault. Like... I completely disagree. Okay. I think that the killing half the universe part was not the part that made him trip. Because he's done that. He's he's murdered half of billions of people already. Sure, on, on, yeah, on a planet scale. And he's done it in a much more gruesome, more morally gray way. He's done it physically. We, we saw that in all of Gamora's flashbacks. He, and what he did with Thor in the very beginning. We've seen him physically look at himself murdering these people. So I think knowing that they would just vanish wasn't the part that was hard for him. He's seen much more. He's taken away much more from that moral standpoint. I think what did it was knowing that once he did it, it was final. That this was truly the most unbiased way. And I think he was not scared of the fact that he could have not been doing it or the scared of the fact that he finally could. I think he was scared of just the sheer power it gave him that he doesn't have to put in the work. He doesn't have to think of it, but in having that benefit, he has to think about it forever. There's the scene after he does it where tiny child Gamora looks at him and says, what was it worth? Or what did it cost you? And he says everything. And I think he wasn't afraid of killing half the people. He wasn't, oh my God, this power. He was afraid of my life and my guilt will never be the same after this. Hmm. Because he, it's not even, he didn't even give them the respect of physically murdering them. Mm -hmm. He just willed them away. And he Hmm. didn't even know who it was. Yeah. And I think that development in Thanos is really interesting. But you can only see it through Gamora. And that's why I think when he killed Gamora, I I did think that that scene was lacking something. I think there was lacking some kind of conviction from Thanos in that moment because I didn't believe that Thanos doing that in that moment was really hurting him, even though we know obviously she was worth something from what Mantis was saying and from the fact that he did get the Soul Stone. It was enough. Mm -hmm. So it just didn't convince me before it actually happened. I had to see him get the soul stone in return to actually believe that she was worth that to him. Yeah. Hmm. On a slightly different note, Mm -hmm. killing half the universe only works for like 50 years maximum. Yeah, yeah. That was something we had a brief discussion of and then I tried not to butt in so that we could talk about it now. There are something like seven billion people on the planet right now Mm -hmm. the last time we had 3.5 billion half Mm -hmm. of seven for you math majors was 1970 that wasn't that long that wasn't that long ago that was like 48 years ago are you trying to tell me i'm trying to tell you that thanos's final solution thanos is oop getting down to the dirty (laughs) real fast uh, thanos's thanos's killing of half the universe with the snap of his finger it isn't a permanent solution. That's like a it's, a, it's a temporary fix. And I don't understand how the planets that he did kill half of, which he must have been doing for like at least 100 years or so, mm-hmm. are now living in great prosperity because they're right back up to the same population they were before he even got there. Like, they have to be. I think, I think there's a couple aspects to this argument, right? I think he still has the gauntlet, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about the gauntlet and the cracking and stuff later because that's a whole nother theory. But he has the gauntlet still. And assuming that nothing is wrong with it, he has the ability to do it again. Now, whether or not the thriving after that fact is due to it having happened in the first place or is due to them repopulating, that community, that world, that planet will never remember history the same. Mm. And I think bringing prosperity to them might not be, oh, look, all of world's hunger is solved because we now have so many less citizens. It's also, hey, look what you've done to the planet. You're pu- you're punished for it now. Think about that punishment. Do you ever want it to get to this again? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you, you know that putting your child to a timeout isn't going to stop them from ever coloring on the walls again. They still have the ability to do it. Yeah. But if... I'm sorry, this might not be a parenting thing. I'm I'm 19. Uh, but if you <laughs> smack them on the butt, 
they're going to be a lot less likely to do it again if they feel that kind of pain. So, huh. So Thanos is just like a parent trying to punish his children. Maybe. And by doing doing that by, like, if you ever get to this point again, I'm going to kill half the universe. In that case, I mean, that's an irrational argument to an irrational solution, so mm-hmm. I can understand how it would make sense in Thanos' head. Mm-hmm. And also how why none of the other characters would ever have tried to explain that to him, at mm. least on screen. Yeah. Because um, it wouldn't have gotten them anywhere. You don't teach a parent how to parent. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I like that defense. That's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just sweet. Okay. Cause especially because the gauntlet itself gets rid of all of the problems. Like, we've seen this parenting style already. I think, okay, I'm, I'm going to start from here on out. I think that that's a really great analogy, is Thanos is just parenting everyone. Okay. Because we've seen him. We know the difference between Nebula and Gamora. Yeah. The only thing is, Gamora oh, felt time. all of the pain. Mm-hmm. The gauntlet erases any pain. Like, there's fear. Obviously, you hear in uh, in Spider-Man when he's there. And you you see him. You know he's scared. But he's not in pain. You can tell he's not in pain. Yeah. So, that gauntlet got rid of the pain and anguish that Nebula felt, quote-unquote, in that metaphorical sense. So he he's in a way learned from his problems parenting his two actual quote unquote actual children. Yeah. And he's made a change to make it work. Huh. <laughs> I don't know. What it's okay. I'm I'm really proud of that actually. But okay, so speaking of like the pain and stuff, I think on that same track, I think it's really interesting because one of the major complaints a lot of people have been having without thinking about it is well, you know, Doctor Strange saw every possible solution. How oh, could that. he let this happen? Let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's very reasonable that he let this happen. I if made you a, think I made about a, it. I made a post on Reddit. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> Ooh, get that announcer voice on. <clears throat> Here in Radio City. Okay, so I was I ended up watching Doctor Strange again last night. Cool. At the end of Act Two of his standalone film, right before the Ancient One dies, she says that she has looked. <gasps> no, I'm kidding. I'm done. She says that she has looked into the future countless times, but never past that moment. Basically, she states that she can never see past the moment of her death. Now, in the comments, people have given me shit for saying, "Well, she didn't use the time stone." Okay, what did she use then? Like, there's no other time travel. How would she do it? How would she do it? She like it's been shown the time stone can be used to look into the future. She was using the time stone. She yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, at the end of Infinity War, right before Strange's body yeets away in lots of different directions, he tells Tony uh, it was the only way. Many other theories have speculated that he knew he was going to die, and despite his death, we are still on the optimal 1 out of 14 million timeline. But according to the Ancient One, he can't look into the future past his own death. This means that his fabulous recreation of Another One Bites the Dust could not have been his death. If he knows how the optimal future plays out, he must be alive to see it happen. If he dies, he must be alive after his 1930s Oklahoma impersonation. Or he would have no way of knowing it was the only way, and no legitimate reason for giving up the Time Stone in exchange for Tony's life. By extension, no one who disintegrated is dead. They all went the same way, so if one is alive, they all must be. They can't be dead. And from a meta standpoint, we already knew they can't be dead. There's another Spider-Man movie coming out. There's, yeah, we know that they're not dead. Mm -hmm. But that's a proof. That's not like, well, they're making other movies. Like, I think they could be making trick movies. That's my theory. I think, I think Infinity War 2. Yeah, I was waiting for you to bring this up. Is coming out in like a month. I think they're going to announce it. Oh, you've extended that deadline? You don't think it's going to be this Friday? Uh, Okay, shut up. (laughs) I think that this Thursday they're going to release the name of the next Infinity War. And they're going to say Ant-Man and the Wasp is a joke movie. That's the release date of Infinity War Avengers 4. I don't think Ant-Man and the Wasp is actually happening. But I like Paul Rudd. Have you seen Celery Man? No. You need to watch Celery Man. <laughs> I'm going to watch Celery Man now. Uh, I have brought this up before when explaining to other people, and we could get into the nitty-gritty. I have explained this to other people before. <laughs> and Angie Talks, take three. <laughs> and I don't, we could get into the nitty-gritties of this. But I don't think that's impossible. I think it definitely could be something like that. But I think they would have to wait a good amount of time because they want to not only capitalize as much as they can off of Infinity War, but also wait just long enough that the people who only watched it once or twice at the very beginning have forgotten enough that they're still going to pay to do a double feature Mm. in film. I'm sorry, that was really Mm. bumpy. That they're still going to pay 
to do a double feature. That's You're probably right about that. So I don't know, because the release date for Ant-Man and the Wasp is... July. July? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, mm, the- I theoretically, how long do Marvel movies typically stay in theaters? Like, how long? months. Yeah, it's yeah. it's more than the typical movie. Mm-hmm. Black Panther is still in theaters. Is it really? There was, like, one showing of it when we saw Infinity War. Hmm. So... Uh, so yeah, I guess it could be up to like what four months, three months. Yeah, yeah. So I could see that being reasonable. I think if they wait till just close enough to the end of when Infinity War would start trickling out of theaters, and then they release a new one, mm. who they're gonna capitalize on a lot more money <laughs> because even the people who have seen it three or four times in theaters with every yeah. different combination of friends they could think of, if there's another one coming out and Infinity War stays in theaters for it, everyone's gonna do that. I don't know. A fandom nerd who wouldn't go for six hours at a movie theater just to double feature in yeah, Infinity that would War be and Infinity fucking War awesome. Absolutely. And I would pay lots of money to do it, especially mm-hmm. if it was a back-to-back in one theater. Like, yeah. that would be amazing. I'd probably pay for the price of two movies. Wow. Yeah. Or one and sneak into the second one. What? That's not good. <laughs> Sorry, back to the last podcast. I just burped a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Yeah. So I think it's not impossible. But I do think you are right about the whole Oklahoma impersonations being wrong. Also, I really appreciate your I spent references. so long thinking of funny dust ways analogies. to say, like, dust analogies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a 1930s Oklahoma impersonation was my favorite. That one is also really great. <laughs> I, I am a fan of that. Which I think is funny because you probably wrote that post after we talked about the Dust Bowl last time that we talked about that. Was that correct? When did we talk about that? We did. Yeah. yeah. We did. I did write that after we talked about the Dust Bowl. <laughs> And I was like, Angie's going to laugh at this. And I did. <laughs> and I wrote it. <laughs> you got that right. I did laugh at it. Yeah. Um, <sighs> if you want to find that post on Reddit, uh, it has 503 views. Don't. It's an anonymous. Uh, and it's an anonymous. 503 one. views and two upvotes. Okay? Get that shit up. That's a good ass theory. I put jokes in there. The one where I said another one bites the dust. That was a link to a funny ass video. Did you actually link another I one did. bites the dust? <laughs> You're getting really aggressive, but I appreciate it. I'm really mad that people on Reddit don't know what good comedy is. I'll, I'll make a Reddit just to upvote that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that was a possibility for sure. Now, is it reasonable or is there more in between to talk about that end scene? I think it's I think we're there. I think we can talk about the end scene. Ah! That was that was really sad. First off, from the beginning, they haven't featured Nick Fury in anything in so long, right? Am yeah. I wrong? I was well, gonna say Nick I Fury, haven't seen enough. Okay, so. he was in. He was not in Ragnarok. He no. was not in Black Panther. He the last one he was in, I believe, was shit. What was before Black Panther? Probably around Civil War, right? I think it was. He was definitely in Civil War. Yeah, I was gonna say he had to have been. Yeah, but uh, uh, Nick. Fury's Swiffer, sweep. I don't know. I can't think of another dust pun. Don't. don't. Okay. <laughs> he died. We're done with that. He floated away. Which made me so sad at first before I rationally thought about it. the fact that nobody is gone. It, it was the only comical death in the end. And I think that was also True. another clue that like no one's actually dying. Fair enough. Um, Wait, can we? Okay. So the I think the most important thing about this end scene mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the end scene, but the fact that everyone in the audience around us was certain there was not going to be one. Oh yeah. Which I think was Oh, incredible. after after the credits, we sat there and they they had extra darkness because they, they wanted knew. to play on us. Yeah. And Marvel Which... has conditioned us to stay till the end of the credits and gosh, darn it, I'm going to stay till the end of the credits. Of course. And even if you don't, then oh no, you're respecting people who put a lot of work yeah, into a movie. Even though I don't know a single one of their names. Exactly, but they did good. They did good. So good job. I'm really people. proud of the DPs. You did so good. I'm really proud of the gaffers. I'm really I'm sorry, there's not much more I know. Those about lighting that. people? Mm-hmm. Those sound people. I'm really proud of all Whoever of you. Whoever held the boom mic. Oh, you did great. Great job. I've never seen it once. Mm. Not in that mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Anyways, I I just I loved that they played on it because it yeah. was it was definitely one of those things that after such an intense movie, we all needed to just take a moment to scream. Like, I wanted a shawarma scene. I just wanted to see Tony Stark and Captain America just getting some shawarma again. Just like that the was two of them. That was a great, great after credit scene. But which we didn't talk about this either. None of the original Avengers faded. Oh yeah, they're all still alive. 
Wow. All of the people we thought were totally going to die in this movie definitely didn't. Definitely didn't. Uh, and we'll talk about predictions, I think, after the, probably after this next end credit part. But uh, Nick Fury has been like a subtle part of the Avengers for so long. And I think that was mm-hmm. also a nice spoiler into we're going to be seeing the OG Avengers in the next one working some shit out. Because oh, yeah. we haven't seen him have an active part in any of these superheroes' lives on the big screen, because I know he was involved in a lot of TV show stuff for a little bit. Well, he's he's disintegrated. Well, now he's disintegrated. But I think Nick Fury represents the time that we had with all of the Avengers together in the original Avengers movies. Hmm. That's fair. I like that. And I don't know. I just really enjoyed that. Can we talk Captain about... It's taken. Marvel? Oh, Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited for her. I knew nothing about Captain Marvel until I saw the symbol at the end of the movie, and I was like, like, what is that? And they were like, Captain Marvel! And I was like, okay, let me do a quick Google search. Google search Captain Marvel. It's taken, like, 13, 10, 13 years Mm -hmm. for Marvel to, like, come out with a female protagonist. Yeah. And I'm going to pretend, like, in in the very back of my mind, I'm going to pretend it's not because they want to try and rival the box office hit that Wonder Woman gave. But even though I know it definitely is. They definitely want to rival the box office hit. Absolutely. Just like Mm -hmm. how DC tried to capitalize on the dark humor in Suicide Squad once we had a wonderful movie come out with Deadpool. But. Yeah. I'm still really excited. Mm-hmm. They best learn from Wonder Woman and bring a female director on set because if they don't, they're looking at some major downfalls. Mm-hmm. I I think we're a little late, obviously, to talk about the bandwagon for Wonder Woman, but Wonder Woman was what it was because of the people involved in that, and it was a very female-heavy. This was all right. This was a good you movie. Didn't... I enjoyed myself. There was definitely times when I was upset at. Like, the logistics behind Wonder Woman, specifically the... She still needed a man to gather her strength at the end, but it's fine. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, But until the very end, I think Wonder Woman pulled off what it was trying to do. And it definitely was far ahead of any other superhero industry because, you know, they showed a woman hero. Mm -hmm. So, I'm excited for Captain Marvel. I personally... I, I am gonna sound super sexist saying this, but I have always thought that... Um, you know, it's not, it's not, it's certainly a wonderful thing to want representation and to have representation from, from all sides. Diversity is great. Everyone should be equally included. I love that. Woo! I'm a white dude. Um, but with respect to superhero movies, I never really understood the difference between having a, um, having a female lead superhero versus a male lead superhero. And maybe it's because I'm a guy, but my reasoning behind that is because uh, take uh, a different type of movie, Love, Simon, for example. Um, I think a movie about a modern gay teen who wanted, who like, who didn't really have any like huge persecution elements in the movie. There, it wasn't Brokeback Mountain. It wasn't like a hard hitting drama. It was just like a, a nice little rom com. But it was for it was for gay teens. And gay teens don't have a lot of movies where they get to see themselves on screen, and I think it's really awesome that they get to have that representation. But no one on planet Earth is a superhero, and I don't think that anyone on planet Earth is ever going to see themselves in the heroes that they see on screen. It, they're action movies. I never, I never really understood why... Like, I never... I was never... I identified just as much with Wonder Woman as I did with Tony Stark, personally. And I'd I, like to hear your take on that. Absolutely, and I definitely have something to, to talk about that. Okay. I think a lot of it is different because, and I don't want to speak for you, obviously, but for now, without assuming that there's any actual, there is no prejudices in this. As a man, I think it's very hard to see that kind of thing because it's never, you said it yourself, you're a straight white man. I'm a straight white dude. And that's, I think it's hard to get into that mindset. I would like to ask you a question completely unrelated to everything else that you definitely know by me prefacing it, that it is not completely unrelated, but, like, I want you to try and separate it. Okay. What Marvel character do you relate to the most? Spider-Man. Okay, great. What is Spider-Man? Man. He's a... He's a... He's a... Smaller. He's a smaller. Slender. Slender. White man. White man. Who is okay. known straight. I see your point. Now, who else... Who would you say besides him would you identify with? Because I see you relating to Doctor Strange. 
I want to see what your second guess is. Doctor, I, no, yeah, I, I was actually yeah. talking about that with Kayla earlier, about how I do relate to Doctor Strange a lot. Cool, so yeah. what is Doctor Strange? A thinner, thinner taller, taller, white, white man. man. Uh, you have those two options already. Okay. Uh, would you like to ask me that question? Yeah, who do you relate to in, 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 the, in the Marvel Universe? I'm going to say Black Widow. Oh. Because she's, she's, she's a, she's a, she's a woman. woman. She's, oh, okay. Um, can I just tell I could you, say Gamora. Can I just tell you that I don't but think she's an alien. anyone has ever explained this to me better than you just yeah. did. So that's the thing. And there are obviously in Black Panther now, there are some amazing women characters. Yeah. Um, what Lupita Nyong'o? I'm sorry Nyong'o. if I'm saying that wrong. I don't know. Uh, she was in Black Panther. I know the woman who plays Michonne in Walking Dead. I can't remember her name of life of me right now. Uh, she's in Black Panther. And those are two beautiful, amazing characters for black women to relate to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to complain about representation of white women compared to black women because you can't hold a candle. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, that's three human females <laughs> for women to relate to. Yeah. And Marvel is not the worst anymore. Like DC, there's Wonder Woman. Yeah. And that's it. There is the entire island that Wonder Woman is from, but they're not heroes. So th- that is, you said it, you said I described it well, so I don't yeah. need to keep beating the dead horse, but... No, yeah, that is, that's yeah, the difference. I definitely do. Okay, I see that. Where it's like you, it's your, it's you can the, answer it's, that question. It's the, they, they have characters. They do have characters. And mm-hmm. seeing seeing yourself on screen is a big part of enjoying a film. Because yeah. another thing that I enjoy, I, I think, I, I like seeing the diversity that Marvel has in its heroes. Mm-hmm. There are amazingly realistic heroes. Peter Parker is not a huge buff superhero peter parker is not thor yeah and people who aren't super buff men and i'm sorry i'm pointing to david but he knows he's a nah, i'm a skinny you know, little dude six what six three six six foot six three I know. I'll, I'll take it what is that right? <laughs> five eleven but on tinder i'm six foot hey that's a good song anyways um <laughs> Like, that's a really great character that you have the opportunity to relate to as a hero. Like, that's amazing. Then we also have, like, our friend Nate down the hall who goes to the gym every day and can relate lightly to Thor. Thor. Like, he's not obviously as big as Thor. Those people have trainers upon trainers to help work them with. But there are are those traditional heroes. There are Peter Parkers. There are Mm. Doctor Stranges who don't even have the musculature for gymnastics. Like, let's be real. I Mm. love Benedict Cumberbatch, but like, he's a realistic man. He Mm. doesn't have a ton of muscle. He doesn't Mm. have, like, I'm sure he's a fit guy, but that's great. And then you have Paul Rudd, who is a dad, (laughs) (laughs) which is amazing. And I don't think anyone can argue that Paul Rudd is one of the most amazing people on this planet. And don't even try and talk because I'm not going to have that argument. I don't know anything about Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd. (laughs) Anyways. So there's so much that Marvel already does. Yeah. And then there's like three women who all look generally to have the same body. Mm -hmm. I'd really like, I'd also, I'd greatly enjoy. So... Assuming Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel do come out. Um, I really want another Ant-Man. <laughs> I'm, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm getting, I'm actually getting a little bit more and more hyped for it the closer we get, honestly. It's, uh. yeah. But uh, there's, in terms of female representation, I, I, I think that um, something that Marvel is just now starting to capitalize on is not, is, is creating characters that aren't necessarily the protagonists of their movies but they're still big parts Mm -hmm. um like like the wasp in ant-man and the wasp Mm -hmm. or because ant-man is and you know yeah and then uh or um uh adam warlock in Mm. in captain marvel adam warlock's probably gonna be in it and we do we know who plays adam warlock i don't know if we know any of we know anything about captain marvel but That'd be cool to have a female Adam Warlock. That would be dope. Like, why the fuck not? 
And I think you make a really great point. Like, they're doing a great job of capitalizing on Mm -hmm. different women and other representations, not just women, like, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different sexualities, Mm -hmm. in side characters who also get a lot of screen time and, to be fair, are kind of more loved sometimes. Like, uh, Zendaya's representation of Mary Jane was one of the audience's favorite part about Spider-Man Homecoming was we thought we knew who MJ was, but MJ wasn't the MJ we were hoping for it when we first started watching. And, and then Drax. she was. And then Drax is one of like the, the oh my gosh. best characters in the MCU. Like. Mm-hmm. It, and definitely, I think that's a huge positive that, that Marvel is bringing to their movies. One of the flaws is they can only do so much mm-hmm. without creating their own heroes and having people complain about that because stan lee is amazingly talented he is a wonderful bus driver in this last one um but he's every role in the planet he's still a i'm assuming stanley is straight i don't know that but he's a straight uh, white guy or he's a white guy i shouldn't assume i'm sorry but he is a white man and there he wrote for so long in so many different cultures and times that you can only blame the timing like it's one man who has a very specific outlook who's fantasizing all of this you can't imagine i mean it's amazing that some authors get the diversity they do george rr R. martin has some of the most amazing developed female characters in his universe and he's still one guy but mm. it's difficult it's taken him how long and stan lee's just pumped out so much in his whole career mm. that i can't blame him for not having that kind of representation written in it's hard have you ever tried writing a female protagonist as your lead in a book or in a short story i can't write (laughs) either way whatever it is it's really hard so i i'm not knocking on it i understand i just i hope that i hope that stanley lives a long life um but i hope that stanley's expiration date is not marvel's expiration date yeah yeah that I that's um I think the last thing I want to talk about also was where's Marvel gonna go from here? Mm. We've got again, assuming Ant Man and the Wasp and, and Captain Marvel are real movies. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got those two, and Avengers four, and nothing else is planned. Yeah. As of right now, we've got a year left of the MCU, but they're not gonna stop. They're making billion dollar movies. Exactly, which and, is scary. Yeah, like and Thanos is. At least in the MCU, they've built him up to be the bad guy. Yeah. The big bad guy from day one. He was going to be the last enemy. Mm-hmm. And now we've gotten here. They've actually succeeded in making some of the best, one of the best movie series. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of the only movie series, really, of its, its of its type. Like, it's a yeah. movie. Yeah. It's movie a kingdom. King, movie kingdom. And... MK. <laughs> <laughs> trademark. Uh, <laughs> and, I mean... There are other cosmic villains. I, I read a theory that Galactus might be the next one. Ooh. I think that'd be really cool to like pan up to space. And mm-hmm. the the way the Reddit post said it was like the last shot of the after credit scene, just hearing some like overpowering cosmic voice going, "I hunger," because he like eats planets, yeah. and that'd be fucking awesome to have them stop a planet here. But at a certain point, they're gonna run out of villains to fight. Yeah, and on top of that, even moving forward. You made a good point. Like, they've established Thanos to be the bad guy. Mm -hmm. That after this, some of these movies, obviously, they're coming out soon. A lot of them have to be before Infinity War, or it's not going to make sense. Mm -hmm. And there's they're running out of opportunities. Because after anything that takes place after Infinity War has to deal with the consequences of what happens in Infinity War. I can't imagine the second half of this movie doing anything but kind of destroying the universe Mm -hmm. there's no way that it can't do something like that Mm -hmm. and i think it's gonna be interesting to see what powers come after that and with the destruction that we're assuming is going to happen after infinity war are these heroes ready to fight something more like are they ready to do something bigger than they already they barely scraped by doing they didn't they lost well so far yeah. yeah It's it's definitely a weird and kind of scary concept. I think in that way, Marvel gains a lot of respect because, mm-hmm. I mean, DC's not doing it, obviously. DC hasn't come to a peak. Mm-hmm. I think they, they're exploring more with their anti-heroes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope Birds of Prey is good. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're still coming out with that. 
But besides that, there's not, they're not really doing a culmination. There was obviously Justice League, which I didn't watch, but I heard yeah. tanked because DC doesn't, isn't known for heroes. So I didn't even fantastic. try and watch. Yeah. And DC is even less well done when it comes to hero movies. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think they've done a great hero movie since Dark Knight. Yeah. And even that had its problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but taking it all back, I I just don't know where Marvel can go after this. And I think it's going to be the coolest part of that is finding out where they take it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I really enjoyed this movie. And, and even for not being a super avid Marvel watcher, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Predictions for the name of Avengers 4? I have none. You seem like you do. Infinity Gauntlets. I think they're going to make a second one and use it gauntlets. to fight Dan- Gauntlets. Plural. Plural gauntlets. Oh, we didn't even gauntlets. talk about this, but the time stone, or the, what is it? The the stone that Vision has? It's Mind the Mind stone. stone. That shouldn't be real. Oh, yeah. Because we can't. Canonically, you're not supposed to be able to use a stone on a stone, a, a stone, stone, on a stone. to affect another stone. So the time, the only reason the Mind Stone still exists is because Thanos used the Time Stone to bring the Mind Stone back into existence after it was already destroyed, which should not be possible. That's but because he did it, I think that's the reason his gauntlet was all charred and burnt up is because he probably yeah. fucked something up. I think that Doctor Strange probably saw that in the future and was like, that's probably, I think that might be the actual thing. I think that might be the caveat. That makes this timeline the one that works. No? You don't think so? Uh, it could be, but then he... Uh, why would he have just given up the time stone? He could have kept it for an indefinite period of time, probably used it to fight Thanos. But what if if he didn't give it then, the order would be different? But then, then Wanda gets more time to destroy the Mind Stone. And or... Then, I mean, it happens anyway. Maybe, sure, but I don't... I mean, I, I guess you're I don't know right. if that's the key, but I definitely think that that's a part of whatever... Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. I know we went a little bit over on this one, but I really enjoyed having this conversation. Boop! We're not making that our thing. That's not gonna be that. I'm gonna do it every time. No. David, please don't. It's so loud. <laughs>